hard to find in the morning papers. It's hard to find in the magazines. It doesn't matter what show you tune in. It's hard to find on a TV screen. But it's on top radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the National Intel Report. I'm your host, John Statmiller. Date today is the 12th of November, 2008. One more day uh, behind occupied lines <laughs> here in America. My guest today is going to be Alan Watt. He'll be with us here in a few minutes. Um, I had a very disturbing encounter with somebody today. Uh, going to get uh, some water at the water store. And I walked in, and there's a, a crowd, a lunch crowd from Dell Computer, uh, having a Bible class there. Well, pretty innocuous. And uh, the owner of the store uh, closes on Saturdays, doesn't hire any managers to run it, any employees to run it, uh, has the one of probably one of the busiest days of the week. They're shut down. And, and I understand... Um, application and, uh, you know, going along with the prescribed face. But after the group left, I looked at her and I said, you know, I said, this troubles me. And she says, what's that? Bible groups? And I said, no. And uh, I said, I know you're a person of faith. And I said, I'm sure these people are as well. I said, what's troubling to me is we have a lot of people that profess faith and they spend a lot of time on bended knee praying to God. And I said, and the only thing that keeps flashing through my mind is God sitting up there going, what, what, what are you praying to me for? You know, I gave you the rules, gave you the regulations, you know, gave you the free choice. Hey, have at it. You know, get off your knees, quit praying to me. Uh, you can pray. It's no problem saying hi every once in a while. How are you doing? But roll up your sleeves, pray or whistle while you work, but get busy. But before that, she'd made a comment to me that, well, you know, you know, you have your opinion. And I said, it's not a, I said, I, I, I've looked at all faiths. I said, I was raised in a Roman Catholic. And I said, I've looked at Catholicism. I've looked at Mormonism. I've looked at Baptist, <laughs> Baptist. I've looked at everything. I mean, the Hare Krishnas, for gosh sakes. And I said, there's one thing that really bothers me about this is, they all seek the company of each other for comfort when they should be seeking each other for a leg up to fight this evil that is all around us. I said, that's what upsets me. And all of a sudden, her tune changed. She looked at me and said, you know what? I think you're right. And I said, did you think this is an affront to Christian principle or being a Christian? I said, it's not. I said, my problem with all this is that everybody huddles together in their little scared masses and prays to God and tries to serve as a kind of an emotional crying towel or a crutch for each other. I said, I remember when this country was built by rugged individuals that had faith, but they knew they had a job to do, and by God, they did it. I don't think it'll be quite the same anymore when I visit the water store. You know, I, I need it for my fish. i got to have that reverse osmosis stuff. Still use my Berkey, folks, every day. <laughs> but it just, it just got me. The people are... I just looked at her. I said, you know, people are scared. And I said, and I can understand as a faith for comfort... I said, but you don't use that as a crutch. You don't use that as a way out, an escapism. Use it to, to bolster yourself and stand straight and get on with the business at hand. And that's smashing the evil all around us. And I don't care if you're a Buddhist. I don't care if you're a Catholic. I don't care if you're a Mormon. I don't care if you're a Baptist, a Methodist. I don't care what you are. Stand up and fight this stuff. Get off of your bended knee. And really give praise to God by keeping people free. Get 
ready for Real Talk Radio. You're listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. Alan Watt uh, is a gentleman, he's a researcher, folks, uh, into the causative forces behind major changes and the history of this world. The background is that the uh, this Renaissance man with a background in three different professions, writer, artist, singer, songwriter, performer, the guy has taken his, I guess, vocation here very seriously. One of the best researchers and thinkers out there, folks. Alan Watt. Good afternoon, sir. It's a pleasure to be on, John. I appreciate you coming on today. I uh, want to mention your website, uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Uh, I heard you on another radio program today, and uh, part of the topic of discussion was, you know, <laughs> basically what has happened uh, to the American people, what has happened to their psyche, what has happened to their cultural roots. And uh, after I listened to you today, I am at a store and I look at the front page of USA Today and there's a picture of Barack Obama in color embracing a woman, ex-military, standing there on two prosthetic legs. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how sick is this? But I know what the, the picture was intended to do. It was intended to evoke emotion. And all that I see was abject sorrow there. It, it didn't do anything for me but make me shake my head, Alan, and go, you know, I know what that was designed for, and I know the response that they were looking for, and I know the response that they got. Yeah, it's sad. Everybody is exploited, and especially the ones that are the willing fools and those who put uniforms on today to go off and gain some personal power and have status in society, generally from the lower classes themselves, um, are just used and abused right to the end. Even when they lose their legs, they'll still be used for someone else's propaganda and photo opportunity because Obama has already said that he's going to bring in a form of national service. And uh, the breakdown of that nas uh, national service, uh, I mean, this is going to be... Um it's going to be the Kennedy deal here on steroids. Uh, we used to have uh, uh, different programs of which you could volunteer your time, but it was completely voluntary. Uh, but we're talking about something a little bit different here, uh, akin to maybe Brown Shirts organization here in the United States. Get, Alan, give a breakdown on that. Well, there's been other people, too, I've noticed. Uh, there's professors of history and politics that have looked at the, the scenarios in third world countries and how different groups can be set against each other to bring whole countries down. We saw this with uh, Rhodesia, South Africa, and so on. And Rhodesia and South Africa did not fall because of the popular African will. There was big money, big power, and munitions supporting them, and Britain had made deals to stay out of it and allow it all to happen. They can do the same thing within the Americas by stirring up certain groups. They know this, too. And I think they'll use all of these means to bring on a form of chaos so they can get their totalitarian laws all rammed through. If they go into complete and utter martial law down the road, and they'll use all of these techniques to stir it up. Whenever you have children dressed up in uniforms and shouting mantras, whether it's Matsu Tong's Little Red Book or anything similar to it, you're in deep, deep trouble because you're watching indoctrination at work. And people who get uniforms, we saw this in Nazi Germany, we saw it with the communists, young communists uh, associations with their uniforms. We're in big, big trouble. And this isn't Obama's uh, agenda. He's just another puppet for those behind him. And we've had Brzezinski and others talking about uh, this new problem that they'll have to face in the United States. They've tried to get the national draft through on a few occasions in different bills. Every year it appears and it's going to be reintroduced under a disguised version. Uh, a national civilian security force at home is one thing they want within the United States. And when that happens, you really are in war mode. The whole culture from children upwards 
are being militarized into a long-term war mode. And this is their 100 years war they're talking about. They also want to police the, the entire Middle East. They, they have Iran and Iraq uh, and Syria, to actually, to go through afterwards. And they know they'll have to have everyone in uniform uh, going overseas, at least for two or three years, maybe even four years of their lives. This is a long-term agenda. I, uh, again, the conditioning process, and uh, this is what prompted my call to you today, because I see this conditioning process continuing. Um, many people think that because Barack Obama now is in office, uh, that this is a cultural shift or a she, uh, if you will, I love the term that they use, the sea change here in cultural definition in this country. But I saw a story on MSNBC today where they were talking about uh, they arrested some Klan members because they recruited a woman uh, from Oklahoma, uh, got her into the camp. Uh, evidently, she didn't want to join, and she ended up murdered. And, of course, they had their set groups out there, their supposed uh, front people for the hate, uh, the hate crimes. And, and I'm listening to this, and all I'm hearing is the multiculturalism terms being thrown about. Uh, that, uh, you know, that people that aren't accepting of this or that, that they're not tolerant, uh, that they're not this, they're not that. And, Alan, I'll be honest with you, I've about had it up to my eyeballs here with the white guilt routine. Uh, I, I've had it with, uh, and, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but this is my synopsis on the issue of the, the, the major discrepancies here between black and white that many have played off of in this country. And, and that is that they were taught and indoctrinated with kind of a Marxist or communist uh, indoctrination process. And, and it, it does not bother me, it would not bother me one iota if a man of color went into the White House, not a hyphenated American, in this body of the story, uh, they use the term African American, which uh, unto itself is divisive. Uh, we're supposed to be all Americans under one law uh, in, in the same culture. But I, I'm watching this, Alan, and, and, it, and it's bothering me to the point that it, it just it's angering me. I, I'm, I'm measuring my words very carefully, but I am watching a cultural, real cultural split in this country. Yeah. And I see, them, I see them leading up to something. I don't know what exactly it is on that culture front, but I know it's not good. Well, what we probably also know is, you see, the United States was chosen to be the major multicultural society, and it's also been chosen to push the agenda on the entire planet. So they're using multiculturalism to the maximum. Uh, they wrote about this back in the 1960s. Could they create a super tribe within America and, and get all the racial groups into being simply American so they could use them as policemen for the whole world? The idea being that when you invade other countries, they're still basically monolithic in a sense, and, uh, and with one, uh, one particular racial group, um, then they can't very well pin it on white attacking colored, so they make it a multicultural type army, and that would further confuse the enemy as to the goals, names, etc. So this is a long-term strategy that they've been at work with, but you're, you're quite correct. Um, the racial idea, it doesn't even have to be racial. Religion has worked very well in Northern Ireland for, for centuries. Uh, they made sure when they put up Ulster, they could always spark that off when they wanted to get trouble going, and have used it down through the years uh, from London. Uh, they, they do the same thing in Canada. They, they gave us Montreal. They have a separate French quarter there, basically. And once in a while, they rattle the sabers and pretend they're going to leave Canada. So they always have a, a, someone within the country they can stir up at the right time and, and cause um, even, even street warfare if necessary. And uh, this is an old, old tactic that, that they use. Well, However, as I say, um, people are really going to be fooled with Obama because he is the system's man. It wouldn't matter if he was green or a Muppet. Uh, he would still go ahead with the same agenda. He doesn't write his own scripts. Uh, his managers manage him like they manage all the previous ones. And uh, it, what they do when they give you elections is to stop you from having a revolution. And they found this in Britain, that if they could give you elections every four or five years, you would not revolt. You'd simply vote in someone else, hoping they'd do a better job. And that waylays the revolutionary idea. 
So this is simply a continuation of the same agenda, but you're right, it's going to be on steroids now because within the United States for the last eight years, you've had the setting up of the totalitarian regime. It's all worked out on law, on paper. Uh, they, they already have the internal police armies set up to deal with riots. Now they'll put the man in to, to trigger them off. And, and this is going to happen. Yeah, your, uh, your home country, I mean, for years and years and years, uh, the news media concentrated in always underlying the point that uh, in Ireland uh, that was <laughs> fighting against the Brits, uh, not because of religious preference, but for freedom. It was yeah. always put forth that, well, it's the Catholics fighting the Protestants, mm-hmm. and that we had an organization. I always wanted to get your uh, take on uh, the Sinn Féin. Yeah. Uh, was that just a front group uh, to cave in and just allow themselves to be absorbed? It, it was eventually. Uh, initially, the, the official IRA were the ones who set up the Irish Republican Army. It was comprised of Protestants and Catholics, and many of them, in fact, uh, were caught with the Marxist idea at the time. Not all of them, though, but they did want an independence from Britain. They all knew the history of, of London uh, controlling its empire and looting the countries, and they were trying to get freedom for themselves. Um, Ireland really had been taken over long ago, beginning in the, the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, and, and they put in their own overlords to oversee the Irish, who ended up owning nothing themselves. So they, they were fighting this. The, the, in fact, the famine in Ireland wasn't just a famine because of bad crops. They were looting the country of food to keep the British Army abroad. Well, and the Scots know something about British control as well. We'll take the break here. Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com is his website. Very pleased to have this man on this network Monday through Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time. back. Tried to play a clip here for some reason. Uh, my computer did not want to work. Alan, uh, in this country today, we have seen, and, and I sniffed this out, uh, there was some confusion as to what was going on with our banker buddies. And at the outset of this, <clears throat> we saw our United States Congress vote down any bailout packages. But we had the feeling that uh, that was not going to stand, and they went against the political process, ran it through the Senate, and ran it back through Congress. But at that point in time, what I saw was a power grab by the banking elite, the very people that have been financing and funding, not only economically but philosophically, uh, with the New World Order and how best to merge uh, different cultures and economies and eventually flying under one flag, uh, that of the almighty whatever they're going to use. It's not going to be the dollar, but it'll be a world currency. Uh, this is extremely, extremely troubling. It's really the next part of uh, Bretton Woods. Bretton Woods was only meant to last for about 50-odd, 60 years, and then the new system was to come in, and John Maynard Keynes, who basically drafted up the Bretton Woods Agreement, with the, the particular economy that's been running us uh, for the last 50, 60 years, said that, that the system that they hoped to bring in eventually, part two, would be a world where everyone in the world, every citizen of the world, would be in service to the world state. And personal profit would not be the motive. You couldn't accumulate money in the new system. And now we have Brown in Britain coming out with his major speech about that very thing. He called it a new world order and a new economic world order, too, in the same speech. And he's talking about uh, service to the world state, etc. This is where they planned to bring us to a long time ago. And this goes back to the Council on Foreign Relations uh, and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, who both worked out these processes for the new world system. So all they're doing at the moment is standardizing the world with their wars, destroying the old cultures, creating this monolithic-type system worldwide, standardization, 
and then they'll bring in their new currency. But the new currency eventually, as I say, will be not for personal profit or accumulation of wealth. Uh, they say themselves that eventually that with the government now in your bank account, that's what it's about, uh, they'll be able to dictate to the, the individual bank holder uh, and they'll decide what you purchase, what you cannot purchase, uh, and also where, where you're getting your money from too. They're, the government now is in charge of your bank account with its public-private scheme of theirs, and that's going to be used as a control factor, as Bertrand Russell said a long time ago, where they'll issue you a set amount of credits ultimately uh, at the beginning of the week. You will not be able to save them up. You must use them. And everyone then, at the bottom level at least, will all be very, very equal, as they say. So this is all part of a long-term strategy which has been published long ago over and over uh, by the books, in the books of the big authors and, and promoters of this incoming system. This is subject matter that a lot of people and the New World Order has been talked about. Uh, Kofi Annan, I remember several years ago, declaring that the New World is in disorder. Uh, it seems that they couldn't get their game plan together. They had too many personalities and divergent plans. Uh, we have seen Senior Bush talk about the New World Order. Uh, we've seen him give speeches at the United Nations. We have Gary Hart. We have this guy saying that, uh, you know, here's a chance uh, for putting together the New World Order. And... I don't, Alan, I don't think there's anybody in the information business that does not know this for what it is. Yes. But they will not talk about it because, well, there's, quite frankly, uh, through the corporations, there's too many advertising dollars. Uh, it's their jobs that they must hang on to. I'm sure they're given a script as to what specifically not to talk about. Yeah. Uh, even Ron Paul himself mentioned uh, the New World Order in several of his speeches, but it's the best-kept secret that nobody knows about. They were in denial about the free trade area of Americas, about the consolidation of Canada, United States, Central America, and South America. This really is the grand conspiracy, and I've heard people deny that uh, and, and call people like ourselves, Alan, uh, tinfoil, uh, wearing-hatted individuals or just conspiracy theorists. It is, in fact, a well-thought-out, well, uh, a well uh, going on for uh, tens of years, hundreds of years, the grand plan, and it's the conspiracy nobody wants to talk about. Yes, H.G. Wells, who was uh, a propagandist for this organization, for the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which spawned the Council on Foreign Relations, he called it in his own book, The Open Conspiracy, because you can find the data from the big... Uh, non-governmental organizations that really run the system they're, they're calling democracy. They have the biggest say, they have the biggest financial backing, they have the ears of politicians. In fact, many of them are in politics or in the bureaucratic circles. And so it's an open conspiracy. The mainstream media it simply doesn't talk about it, but the books are published by the authors themselves. Right. we got to take this break. We'll open up the lines if you have any questions of Mr. Watt. The website, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, 800-313-9443. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? And we will live. All right. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take... Scotland. Scotland had a little problem here. <laughs> yes. And and it goes on. I um, 
This is probably, Alan, real tough for people because they're being faced with a situation and they know uh, in their heart, they may not know all the details, they may not know the mechanizations or the mechanizations behind it, but they all know that something very bad is coming. And to not speak out against it, uh, as once said, that a coward will die a thousand deaths, but a brave man but one. And, and, and this has got to be causing a lot of problems uh, uh, with the cognitive disconnect for a lot of people. It is. It, it definitely is. People, mind you, they've been under such an immense attack their whole lives long with the food and the injections and the massive entertainment industry, which has put them into a state where they can hardly tell fact from fiction anymore. They're, they're witnessing what used to be shown in fiction with SWAT teams and armies of SWAT teams is a regular daily occurrence now, just about everywhere. And, and now they accept that as reality. So they were trained into this reality. And uh, as long as they stay fixed into the world of fiction, uh, they're never going to wake up or be able to do anything about it. Individually, they think, if I'm okay and I obey all the laws and all the new laws that come down every day, then I'll be left alone. And that's such a lie. They're not going to be left alone at all. It's going to affect every single person, whether you're good or not good. And by good, as I say, it's simply following the latest laws. Uh, they're going to come down for everyone. Everyone is to be managed from birth to death in this new uh, world order. It's to be a planned society from cradle to grave. And whatever you do in life will be authorized. You'll have no free will whatsoever. And that's the decisions you have to look at now. Are you going to speak out now and do something and say no? Because once this gets rolling, you can't turn it back. It, it will not turn back. It is an avarice uh, beast for sure. It, it apparently, uh, they've had to change tact and game plan from time to time. Uh, there was a lot that even made it into the political arena down here in Texas with their Trans-Texas Corridor. Uh, uh, Governor Perry... Uh, he seems like the dodo bird. Uh, he's not around anymore. He's gone by way of the dodo bird. Uh, very few public appearances. Uh, uh, and basically, down here in Texas, uh, we, we kicked uh, George Bush Jr., that's what I like to refer to him as, uh, kicked his butt on this issue, but it's, it's a temporary victory. There is a lot at stake here. And, and what's troubling about this, I mean, you can even hear the smattering of truth, even in financial shows where they will say that, uh, you know, the United States doesn't have the chance of recovery because, well, they have no manufacturing jobs. They have no manufacturing basis. They are just a service sector. They have just been reduced to consumers. We cannot build or make our way out of this hole that we're in right now. Yes, and that was planned and discussed back in the 1980s with the free trade negotiations. They, they knew perfectly well where they were bringing the whole of the Americas, uh, to its knees, basically. They knew as well that a service economy, it was discussed, a service economy is like a dog paddling in the water. You can only paddle for so long, then you have to get out or you drown. And it's, it's a temporary fix, a service economy, and then you simply start plunging down through debt. You, if you don't produce and manufacture, then you, you do nothing but accumulate debt, and eventually the debt would bring you under. This was all discussed. It was understood at the time. We were sold down the river. Everyone was sold down the river, in fact, in negotiations. And uh, we're seeing the effects of it now. And it's going to get a lot worse, an awful lot worse. Look at the money uh, that they're putting the American taxpayer on the hook for, for, for the bailouts of the banks, which is going to be an ongoing thing as well. That means that 10 generations from now, the children are still going to get born into slavery to pay this off. Well, and, and it can't really be paid off. The, it can't, no. Yeah, it, the, the very nature of it, you cannot retire a debt with a debt instrument. Yes. It, it is not possible, and I don't see any of these banks saying, well, okay, well, thanks, American taxpayers, for the break you've given us, buying up all our mistakes and our bad assets on our books. And, by the way, when we finally do unlock this thing, you know, we'll give you a reprieve. Uh, we'll make uh, zero-interest loans to you. You know, I, I don't. I don't hear them forgiving the juice, as I like to call it, from the international bankster gangsters, uh, Guido in his uh, in his juice. There, there's not going to be a break from this. There's going to be no break. But then again, the intent is to bring a new system in, as I say, 
where everyone that's born will be in service to the world state. That really is the whole purpose of it eventually. Well, and it apparently General Motors and Ford have run into a wall here. Uh, Paulson kind of flipped on them today. There was a lot of talk uh, through the uh, Pelosi, through the Congress, that uh, there's going to be a bailout package for General Motors or Ford. Mm-hmm. And I- I'm wondering, Alan, um, because the thought occurred to me, uh, people have said, well, you know, do we necessarily need General Motors or do we need Ford because somebody is going to be making cars? And then the thought struck me. If General Motors and Ford goes bankrupt, well, then you can clean out the people in the management that help get them uh, their respective companies in trouble. Yep. But the beauty of a bankruptcy is you get to go in on pennies on the dollar and buy up existing assets. And there would be another uh, another windfall for them. They could literally break the union because all bets are off, contracts are canceled, uh, retirement benefits would not be paid. So that would be uh, that would be a great escape for these people to do. And uh, I, I think, uh, and, and I don't know, I could be wrong on this, but I'm looking for them not to bail out or not to give any monies uh, to General Motors or Ford. Let them go bankrupt. And then if they're going to be bought out by another company or there's funds available to restart them under a different badge, by the way, I think that ultimately that would work better in their benefit, would it not? It certainly would. Uh, Things are changing. In in the past, they always, every few years in Canada to every other country, the same thing. Those that were involved in the military-industrial complex, and so Ford and GM supply the military too with lots of equipment, uh, generally declare they're in trouble every few years and get bailed out by the public, and that's what they called uh, corporate welfare. And uh, so we've had it here in Canada, too, with the biggest uh, companies. But uh, things are changing now, as I say. Um, they do want to clean out uh, the ones at the top, I'm sure, and bring in the new. And you probably get foreign ownership anyway, which doesn't really matter in this day and age because most of the biggest shareholders are the same uh, few families that own the, the, the dominant shares in every major corporation. And uh, as Thomas Jefferson warned, that uh, you allow these bankers in and allow them to foster and grow the corporations around them, yep. uh, the country that you used to own will be yours no more. It'll be gone. Yes. And with the, the beautiful thing about compound interest is you can never pay it off. It's a wonderful scam. Uh, and, and I have, Alan, and, and they all know, I don't think there is a seated congressman or woman uh, in Congress assembled or in the Senate or anybody that has two brain cells that can synapse and pass information to one another that doesn't see this and doesn't understand what the root cause is. It, yes. It's the classic and, and we talk about Hegelian dialectic, but this is, this is the classic dialectic. Yes, it is. And these uh, politicians, unfortunately, tend to come from the, the psychopathic uh, groups. Uh, they seek power, they get in, and they hope to benefit personally throughout their life. They don't care who comes after them. But it's time this present bunch got it through their heads that, that what's coming down is going to affect them too. They might not get a little golden thrown at the end of it. And they better start telling some truth while they have a chance. Well, I, I was just going to say, I can't get it through their heads. Even a bug smashing into your windshield doing 70 miles an hour, the last thing that goes through his head is his backside. That's right. Like, let's, go, yeah. let's go to the phones here. Uh, David in South Carolina. Hello, David. You're on with Alan Watt. Hello, guys. It's an honor to speak with the both of you. Um, Alan, uh, I love your research and your work and everything you do, and I uh, listen to your show every night. I'm so glad you're on five days a week, and I want to recommend to everybody out there, please support this man and all his efforts. And, John, I appreciate you so much for the network you got and everything you do, uh, getting the information out to everyone. It, it is really, truly an honor to speak with the both of you. And I also appreciate the fact that, uh, John, you mentioned the fact that uh, the animosity that's going on in our country today. Um, let's see. Um, I want to get right to this, though. But, um, yeah, you've, Alan, got, you've got a duplex phone, I think, and I'm getting static when you quit speaking, but i got a hum when you are talking. So if you would, David, uh, be succinct and get it on out there. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Is that a little better? That's a little better, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to shout into the phone. Um, but um, I wanted to point out I'm a, a white guy that lives in the deep south. I grew up here, okay? And um, 
you know, Western culture, uh, in particular, I think Alan pointed that out either on, uh, Alex Jones today or on your show one, uh, we're the target because we're the, the ones that people are, they're afraid of, the, uh, elitists, they're afraid that we will resist more vigorously in every kind of way. And, um, so that's, we're like the main target, okay? And, um, you know, and I, I grew up in the Deep South, okay? And um, the black folks I knew growing up, I was friends with anyone who was friends with me. Mm-hmm. But they are taught, and I know this, because I went to a like a daycare. I was like one of three white kids in the whole place. They're taught from birth. And, and I'm 39, okay, so I grew up during right after the Civil Rights era. But anyway, they were taught, you know, that whitey, whitey, whitey is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I see that happening, uh, that, you know, uh, we are a target. You know, I'm afraid that what's going to happen is there's going to be a, just a great big blood sleep between Washington, D.C. and Houston. You know, I hate to say that, but... Well, and David, uh, the propaganda has worked so well. I mean, if you're in the Deep South and you were witness to uh, how the... Uh, the Confederate battle flag, it was not the flag of the South, it was the battle flag of the Confederate Army, how that was held up in ridicule and, and being uh, slavery-based and, and hate-based. This and, and I've said this before on this program, Alan, that I, I, I don't care. I, the, the thought that we have a black man, or at least part black, being in the White House does not unto itself bother me. What bothers me is this guy is steeped in Marxism and communism. What he thinks of himself is not an American, but a hyphenated American, an African American. And to carry on that dichotomy and that split, that is what troubles me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a Marxist agenda that he is following. And remember, too, the Council on Foreign Relations has stated that it works perfectly well with fascists, Marxists, communists, and so on. There's no problem with, with the different factions. It uses all of these tactics in different countries. They call it geopolitics. And we know that Obama's mother was basically raised uh, as a revolutionary. And, uh, and she might even be bred for it, in fact, I think. And uh, she studied various revolutionary techniques in university. That seemed to be her goal. So she has raised this man to, for his global position. He is an internationalist, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. He's not really an American at all. And uh, it's an international agenda. And you've got to understand Marxist policy. They do not distinct, uh, have any distinctions between color, race, religion, or, or, or anything else. Uh, you're simply a Marxist or you're not. So don't be fooled by the, the color thing. They will use the color uh, card down the road if they want riots to start within the United States. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And all you would need truly is for the government to, to uh, say they've, they've defaulted on their payments for welfare, etc., and the riots would start at a, a, in a flash. Yeah. So I always warn people, don't follow anyone. Uh, if you really do identify as a group, you're in trouble already because the big strategists have planned the future wars by using you in the group. You have to retain your individuality. And uh, whoever I approach as a friend will be a friend. I don't care who they are. Right. Uh, and uh, I don't see them as part of a group. I like individuals, not groups. Exactly. David, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Um, I don't know if you heard uh, my few minutes at the top of the program, Alan, uh, but I ran into some people today, uh, and I was just as an observer uh, watching what they were doing. And it was a, a, a Christian group, and they had their leader. And I did not say anything. I just observed. And the woman that owned the shop, she... Um, I had made a couple of comments to her, and I said, uh, I, I see this as being rather sad. And she said, what? And she thought I was attacking Christianity, and I said, no, I'm not. I said, where do we get morals or ethics from that's not like manna from heaven or we rub up against an oak tree and all of a sudden we get it? I said, I'm not anti-Christian or anti-any religion or faith out there. I said, but what I see it as is a refuge for people rather than them acting and standing against evil that it is all around them. They have a tendency to huddle unto themselves and to get on bended knee and pray to God. Yes. And, and I see this as if, if I can be so bold as to maybe uh, some conjecture here as to what God might be thinking, looking down and saying, well, you know what, I gave you everything you needed. Why are you praying to me? Why don't you get busy? Mm-hmm. 
And what's even more ironical is they're following someone who stood up against the authorities of his time and was killed for doing so. But since the World Council of Churches was formed uh, under the direction of the Rockefeller Foundation, and he was the chairman for a while, uh, they've standardized their religions and made them very, very passive and supportive of the system and given them lots of propaganda to obey government is put there by God. Well, technically, that, if that was the case, then you should support Adolf Hitler. He was put there. He was elected by the people. So in other words, there is distinction. Not all government is put there by God. And Christians in the past used to fight wars across Europe. And in, in the United States, too, they fought. They fought hard and well when the government went against the dictates of their, of their faith. Keith in Indiana. Hello, Keith. Yes, good afternoon. Hello. I wanted to call in to Alan's show a few times. I'm just curious about one thing. I just wondered, Alan, uh, I mean, uh, are you a believer in the Word of God? There's a lot of truth in there. I know it's been warped as well. And I think if you, if you go along, the, the problem today is you have to fit into a pigeonhole that's been pre-made for you. Uh, you can find nothing wrong in the New Testament as far as living your life goes. Uh, the problem, again, comes down to dogma that follows when you create organized religion and groups. So mm-hmm. I, I really have little to do with them. I, t- I find them too passive and too... Well, I agree with you there, but did you ever consider that maybe for a couple hundred years these denominations have not even been close to the truth at the foundation? Oh, I know that. They, they, they're, they're no, they were taken over a long, long time ago. In fact, war... Uh, was declared by the secret societies and the Rosicrucians on the Vatican in the 1500s. Mm-hmm. And that was their prime target at the time. Then, of course, they, they used Protestantism, and then they attacked that. Keith, oh. Keith, hang on a second. We've got to take the break. I'll hold you over. My guest today, Alan Watt, very pleased to have this man on the network, Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. Folks, it would do well to listen to the man and what he has to say. ask you to be brief here with Mr. Watt. Oh, and I just have three brief points. I think they're all important. I do respect the work you've done in showing the mind control, the sinister evil group for the power, their wealth, and how they've been able to manipulate us. But I'll give you an example. Mother Teresa. How many people think that she's a saint? You know what she said? She said, it doesn't matter what God you serve. They all lead back to the same one true God. Do you know that's exactly opposite what the Bible says? She said... What all the apostles and prophets said? Yeah. Okay, now, last night was utter heresy when uh, Mark Glenn took over Michael Collins' Piper show. He actually said that the Talmud is an extension of the Torah. The Talmud is the antithesis of the Torah. The Talmud is the perversion. They have 613 precepts which are an absolute perversion of the law. Well, I I don't look at Mr. Anderson as being uh, anything of uh, of a prophet or... Uh, a study of uh, religions. So, Mark, well, but he's but he's sitting there putting this blasphemy out from your show. But I, it's not my thing, look, uh, Keith. Right. Look, let me make you understand something. Not everybody believes the way you do. Okay, and there are going to be people. I don't mind control people. I have never once picked up the telephone and said anything to Mr. Watt as to what I wanted him to work toward or what he could say or what he couldn't say. No, 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 I understand that. I'm just, I am just guess I'm offering this as a warning. I would not want to close my show by saying, may your God or your gods go with you. That's well, outside the first commandment. Well, and but you know what? What's against my commandment? Thou shalt not censor. And I'm not going to huddle people around me that think exactly like I do. I see that as the most dangerous thing to do. Well, you know, your, your problem, John, is you're given over to interpretation. Well, like I, all the denominations. Keith, I got a lot of problems, but uh, you and I have been through that on these programs, and I, and I, quite frankly, I'm not going to entertain them. Uh, you had your say. I don't block you from coming on this network, but you have an agenda and you work it. And I, I'm never mean or nasty to you, but you have a point of view, and you want other people to conform to your point of view. And, uh, you know, hey, what can I tell you? Peter in Canada. Hello, Peter. Hey, John. Hi. Um, I just wanted to point out something. You know, you notice how <clears throat> after the Fed's um, 
uh, blew up the Murrow building, and of course they had their little, you know, Manchurian candidate uh, so that could be blamed on the militia, so that way they could basically uh, unleash the hounds onto the militia. Uh, well, I was at ground zero on that deal, I can tell you. Yeah. Now, I, I, I noticed that, you know, after the uh, 19 Islamic uh, Keebler elves with the box cutters did 9-11, uh, you, you notice how the um, they never sick the feds onto the uh, nation of Islam. Uh, Alan, yeah, yeah, I've heard uh, Louis Farrakhan ask for a nation state within uh, an Islamic state within inside the United States. He's been uh, the um, anti-Christian. He's been anti-United States government. He's been a lot of things. Why haven't they gone after Mr. Farrakhan? Because they need these people to start things at the right time, and, and unfortunately, followers never think they do follow. That's why they're called followers, and they're very handy to have if you're a government that wants trouble down the road. Peter, anything else? Yeah, if you want to see a good example of what I'm talking about, go to YouTube, type in Farrakhan endorses Obama, Hitler Youth, and uh, you'll see a little example of uh, the um, Nation of Islam students uh, basically making... Uh, you know, the evangelicals sound saying hmm. It's a little three-minute clip. I'm sure a lot of people, if they watch it, will, they'll probably run, not walk to their gun shops. <laughs> and a lot of people are. Alan, uh, you can stay with us? Um, okay, a little while I've got to eat. <laughs> okay, not a problem. All right, hey, Peter, thanks for your call. Uh, thanks, Dave John. and Tom, uh, hang on. We'll get to your calls as well, and we'll let... Uh, We'll let Mr. Uh, our hungry guest here go, Mr. Alan Watt. Hang on, folks. Top of the hour break here. We'll be right back with you. This is RBN, the Republic Broadcasting Network. Ladies and gentlemen, second hour of the National Intel Report on this Wednesday, 12th of November, 2008. Right in the middle of the takeover of the New World Order rights. Alan Watt, I, uh, I am sitting here watching what the Congress Assembled has done. Uh, so they can look as if they're in service of the people because we're in this financial crisis. I have seen what has gone on and what's going to continue to go on. And the problem I'm having here, the very same people, any thinking individual that looks at 1929, that looks at 2008, there's one inescapable conclusion one must arrive at, and it's been the fault of the very same people both times, the banks themselves. Yes, and it's what's obvious, too, is they never, ever um, fixed the problem in the first place so it could not happen again. They left all the same things wide open, the doors wide open, so they could use the same techniques once again. And no one's ever um, watched the big investment companies closely enough. It's never been done. They've been given a free hand. And let's be honest, too, the whole stock market's been rigged all along because the feds were dumping money into it each time their major corporations were falling so why would they pull it now they could have kept this bubble going for as long as they wished to the reason they've done it now is to bring in the second part as i say of the the bretton woods the new uh, system we will be in service to the world state and government is hand in glove now 
with dictating policies into the banks right down to your personal bank account. It's more control over the individual. That's what it's about. And we we knew this right from the start. Uh, the hunt for Al Qaeda, the yeah. the uh, the putting down of these Islamic extremist terrorism uh, terrorists that have infiltrated every corner of the earth. They had to do that to justify, right in front of everybody, right in plain sight, uh, bringing about the police state. Uh, to offer excuse why they needed to snoop and poop on your emails, why they had to listen to your phone calls, uh, why they're screening you at uh, your job, why they're checking you at checkpoints. We have a 100-mile buffer area now that the uh, inside the United States, by the way, folks, where two-thirds of the United States population lives in, uh, that the Border Patrol are now stopping people within that 100-mile corridor completely ringing the United States. Yes. It's, it's incredible the totalitarian plans that have been put into effect. And because the average person hasn't had personal contact with the repercussions of them yet, they're, they're, they're going along in their dream state thinking everything is just wonderful. But shortly, all of these laws that have been put on the books, all of these agencies that have been given massive power and firepower too, will be kicking a lot of doors in as we go into this totalitarian regime. There's no doubt about it. The U.S. will get more of this than any other country because it's the only country that ever had at least the memory or the idea of freedom, and they want to quash that. No other country in the world had uh, this kind of idea that you had personal, individual uh, civil rights and liberties and so on. Yes, and the right to your uh, own earnings, the right to your freedom, the right to your liberty. You could contract without the permission of the government that has changed. Uh, tell you what, Alan, can you stay with me until the next break, and then we'll cut you loose so you can go uh, fortify sure. yourself. Sure I can. Okay, thank you. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls right after this break, folks. of the CD, Inside Job. Uh, many good tunes, Alan. You've heard that CD, I take it? Yeah. Yeah, many good cuts on that. I think Don Henley knows what's going on. What do you think? Oh, I'm sure quite a few of them know what's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Tom in Georgia, you're on with Alan Watt. How's it going? I listen to both of you guys. I uh, appreciate everything that you guys do. First of all, hopefully the archives will get up. I feel a little bit lost without them for the yeah. last couple of days. And, and, Tom, thanks for mentioning that. We're installing new computers with mega, mega memory on the things and hard drives. Uh, it's right. extensive, so uh, everybody just bear with us. Uh, we're not taking your archives away. We're just making them better. I hear you. I do IT work, so I know what it's like to turn that stuff around. Um, comment the about the churches and about just praying. I'm, I'm 40 years old. I've been mostly an atheist and an agnostic throughout my life, and I've kind of got into the Christianity thing, a little bit of the Protestant thing, and the Catholic thing. I'm not very religious, but I've listened to some of those shows and I, uh, to, to like some of the Catholic programming and some of the other religious programming, and even some of the independent churches. So it's not just the organized religion, and that when you when you try and talk to them, and they'll usually come back with this, we'll just kind of pray and. And it gets to what you were saying before. It's almost like, well, just go in the corner and pray, and everything is going to get better. And I'm just thinking, you know, I've heard it just so many times, and I'm just like, I can't listen to this anymore because that's nonsense. I mean, yeah. whether you're a Christian or whatever it is, at a certain point, yeah, you should pray. You should pray and then go to, go, go to battle and go and do something. And that's why this country's falling apart. We're not doing anything. We're not organized. They can go and pray. I can go to the... 
blessed sacrament all I want. And, I, and it's, you know, I'm not saying I don't believe in prayer, um, but, you know, to sit around and give that as the first answer, which I hear all the time. Right. Not just from the Catholics. I hear it from other places. Sure. Um, it's all being it's, pumped, it's sickening. It's it's all being pumped up by the 501c3s. And and Alan, you're familiar with our our, our nation's history. Uh, at the time of the Revolutionary War, we used to have uh, Christian preachers. Um, they called them the Black Brigades. And what they would do is they would preach. After they got done with the church services, they would promptly don the military uniform of the day and go out there and kill the British. Yeah, yeah. You see again. So religion was always a, a very powerful instrument, and they had to basically emasculate Christianity, especially uh, in order to conquer, because people did at one time stand up for their rights, uh, and the, if they thought the government was going against the dictates of their deity, they would fight for their deity. So it, it, naturally it came under attack uh, very heavily. They had to atheize pretty well the culture, and have done a very good job of it. We've had, a, so we've had 50 years of Hollywood degenerating the culture and people emulating Hollywood. So they're the perfect state now to be conquered. And uh, that, unfortunately, has happened. It's also a war of the material versus the spirit, as they say. And people are choosing materialism. Now you're in their ballpark, those who rule the world, because that's their ballpark. They run the world of the material goods and services and, and money and so on. And people have lost their, their connection to something much higher than themselves. Well, and it's fascinating to me. I mean, even Paulson claiming he's shifting his focus, which, yeah, it was never shift in focus as what he's doing with the bank bailout. He said, illiquidity in the sector is raising the cost and reducing the availability of car loans, student loans, and credit cards. There's that credit, 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 and that's what got us into this in the first place. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. it's amazing. And again, that's a dictate of all religions, too, that if you are a borrower, you are in slavery to the debtor until that is paid off. And if you cannot pay off in your lifetime, your child then pays it off. That, unfortunately, is part of uh, the system, too. Be not a borrower or a lender be. Yep. <laughs> Tom, anything else? Uh, yes. I mean, actually, you're saying emasculated Christianity. This seems so perfect. It's that plus, like, I call it consumerist Christianity. It's it, It's got no power behind it. They won't even stand for anything. And... And I know there's the 501c part, but I just think part of it is just everyone be becoming kind of indifferent and, and uh, whatever. It's just kind of pathetic. So let me ask you guys, what what are we going to do? I mean, we're about to be taken over here. We're going into this slide. It's like where, where Russia was 100 years ago. And uh, when I do an analysis of Putin and Medvedev and I look over at some of the things that they've done over there, I know they're not perfect. There's corruption everywhere. But I'm seeing more positive things coming out of, out of their side than where we're at. What, what is it going to take? Are they going to take our guns? They're going to put in these phony hate crime laws, and we're just going to sit there and, and be dumbed down. And I, I just want to say one thing. I hear a lot of guys in the Patriot movement. Uh, actually, I hear them, you can hear them in Rush Limbaugh. You can hear them in other places, and they'll talk about how no one's going to take their guns. But you know what, damn it, I'm telling you, 90 95% of the people, when they put those laws through and they tack on there a minimum five-year sentence, People can be turning their, you know, their guns over like, like well, crazy because well, I don't see any, yeah. I don't see us getting pissed off and getting, get doing something. Well, We're Tom, not organized. Yeah, Tom, there's, uh, well, and and be careful what you ask for, my friend, because that's what the militia did during the 90s, and and I was there firsthand to watch the organization, and then watch it quickly busted apart and people go to jail. Keep something in mind that there is about 85 million gun owners in this country. And, and right. if 90% of them give up their guns, well, that, that, leaves, that leaves 10% that know what those weapons are for. And what's 10% of 85 million? Uh, isn't that uh, 8.5 million people? That's a hell of an army. And remember one thing. Occupiers have a real problem with occupying. We know the lay of the land. We know our territory. We know the ideology. And we know what we're fighting for. We're fighting against slavery. And at that point in time, Alan, I'm sure you'll agree with this, a man that has absolutely no options, nothing left to lose, he knows exactly what he has to do. Yeah, and as you say, there will be nothing left to lose because that's when people riot, unfortunately, it's when their backs are against a wall. It's human nature. We tend not to... to yeah. You cannot... You have a, this window of opportunity where you can make your voice heard. You can stand up against the evil that's coming down. 
But once that's closed, that window's closed, then you've, you've left with nothing except desperation and unorganized rioting. Mm-hmm. This has to be nipped in the bud now before that happens. Right. But, yeah, the laws are already on the books. They simply have to be implemented, and they will spark it off at the right time. And we're going to go into hell regardless. I, there's no way around this. We're going to go into hell. Well, uh, you're familiar with Jack McLam, correct? Yes. And his book he put out, Operation Vampire Killer 2000? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rick Dalton, that uh, was with Jack for a number of years, he's about halfway done with the redux of Vampire Killer 2000, and that is going to be made available. And I have suggested strongly to people, to our military and our police, I don't care if they're police departments, I don't care if they're county sheriffs, deputies, whatever the case may be, uh, that we at least let them know. Uh, and, and hopefully uh, we'll get a uh, somewhat of a pass from law enforcement and working uh, toward this end with law enforcement to let them know what really is at hand and, and not to take arms against people that have been left with no choice. I mean, they, they weren't born into law enforcement. They were born Americans. They were born with an yes. idiot. Yes, and first and foremost, they're human beings like yes. everyone else. Yes. And the, the, their, their badge and their, their uniform does not make them superior, and they've got to stop emulating the movies and getting back to following the law. That's rather right. than acting like tough guys. Yeah. Uh, that's what I see happening. we got to say goodbye to Alan Watt here, the man starving to death. And Alan Watt, I thank you for taking this time out on short notice. It's his, been a pleasure. His website, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. This man is on this network, ladies and gentlemen, with his research and his sound, uh, his sound reasoning. Every day, Monday through Friday, from 7 to 8 p.m. Thank Are you. you?